Hi, I'm Deirdre Veldon and this is Confronting Coronavirus, a daily podcast on the COVID-19 outbreak. Over 70s in Ireland have been asked to cocoon. We spoke to consultant geriatrician Des O'Neill and cocooners Gemma Hussey, Mary Lumston and Kieran Fagan about their perspectives on this new way of living. First, the cocooners. When it was announced in the beginning, uh, it just came as a huge shock. And it really felt like, you know, we're going to be imprisoned, you know, and losing all our all our freedom. And, I, you know, I got really upset about it. Personally, I'm not too bothered by it because I work from home and uh, I've done for most of the last 20 years. So I'm actually fairly productive. I think like everybody else, I dislike it enormously. <laughs> it, it doesn't suit me at all. You're caring for your husband, Gemma, who you've said is not well at the moment. What are the most challenging aspects of that? Well, he doesn't grasp what is actually happening. It's a form of dementia to do with Parkinson's. And um, he doesn't really understand what's going on. Uh, and he, you know, it doesn't, it affects his mood. He, he, he finds it difficult and it makes life more difficult for, for everybody around him, really. And, and it's, very, it's very sad for him. He really would like his, his regular walks, but he doesn't know that he isn't doing them, but he, he, it, it, they're terribly good for him. And, uh, and you know, so that's a, a deprivation. He, 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 he would like to walk around this area, and it's good for him. Um, it's good for us all. Mary, you're 71, so you're at the younger end of the scale here. Do you feel you have been flung into a, a much older age with cocooning? Yes, absolutely. And most of our friends would would feel feel the same because we just, I certainly, I don't feel as old as 71 inside myself. You know, I, I, I think I'm the same personality I was 30 years ago or 40 years ago. But um, and it certainly came to as a shock to my husband, Jerry, because he's in always in total denial that he is old. What do you miss most? Well, apart from the children, um, mooching about. I'm, I, I, I do miss mooching about. I'm a born moocher about. Not being able to leave the island. <laughs> Going out with a group of friends and having a slap up meal and a few jars and, you know, getting back to, to normal. Have you thought about what might happen if it's extended beyond mid-April, as it looks likely? I'm, I'm afraid it probably will be extended. And, and I think at that stage, I might, have, might well have had enough. I can see people being quite troubled by it if it goes on. If it goes into the summer months, oh, it could become very difficult. And especially at our age, because one thing you do begin to realise is that, you know, quite seriously, time is running out. If it's seriously helping, uh, then we all have a duty to do it. And I'm afraid I don't like to hear about people, uh, you know, disobeying it and going out on bicycles or sneaking out in the night. I mean, if everybody thought like that, what would be the point in the first place? Professor Des O'Neill is a consultant geriatrician at Tally University Hospital and Piedmont Healthcare. Des, what do you see as the major issues facing older people who are cocooning? 
Uh, thanks very much. I think the major issue is around the variability, heterogeneity of the group of older people. So you've got everything from the super fit uh, right up into their 90s now to those who are constrained by either problems with memory through things like dementia or constrained by uh, mental health issues or pre-existing or physical disability. And I do think that this was probably sprung a little fast. Now, we all had to move fast, and I think, by and large, the country has done well. Uh, but I do think there probably needs to be a little bit more of a fallback around uh, a clear unitary number, such as the guards or wherever, that could people could uh, rely on. That being said, uh, I do see and I hear all around the place of very significant efforts by many people to uh, both adhere to the cocooning and for families to support them. I think the, the, the key area perhaps where I would see that the challenge has been for those with dementia where it's not clear what's going on and what's happening. And indeed, I think uh, we have to accept that there are going to be some uh, trade-offs in this area here, um, you know, that they don't understand that they can't go out to the shops or, or and there may indeed need to be some form of supporting them with controlled wandering. Uh, again, uh, I think a, a degree of common sense will be important here. And I think uh, in a similar sort of way, I think we, we need to be thinking carefully about uh, restrictions around nursing home uh, visits in the same sort of way in that if it can be accommodated and you can look at other forms of communication such as being at a balcony window or uh, through through an iPad or something, that's fine. But there's always going to be some that will need something more than that. And I think uh, with perhaps attention to protective equipment, with uh, sharing of risk, I think uh, we, we, we need to think about this for the next time, really. I think this is going to be one of the areas where I think the groups that most strike me as the area that we need to be thinking hard about when we're preparing next time is uh, those with dementia, uh, those with intellectual disability and those in nursing homes and to think how uh, we cater for those. And I'm not sure that we have all the answers at the moment, but I think the experience, it's really, really important that we use this experience uh, to collate uh, data to collate experiences. Uh, it's very good. The Alzheimer's Society has already done some work here um, that we, 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 we be, get better prepared for the next time. Des, you men mentioned specifically dementia there. Um, how, you know, important is it for somebody with dementia, for example, to be able to maintain a daily routine like a walk? It's the, the, it's the social element of it. Indeed, as somebody, I think, uh, smartly said, it's not so much social distancing as physical distancing. And there's absolutely no doubt that social contact is, uh, my colleagues in Tal have just published a paper today around this, is that the social element of that exercise and activity is uh, hugely important and is probably a moderating influence in terms of people uh, not getting worse. Now, one always has to be careful saying this is that then people don't feel terribly guilty, that they can't uh, do more. You know, this is a time of compromises. It's a time of least worst. But certainly, um, uh, 
whether into the future we might look at some uh, arrangement perhaps of specific hours for people for a small amount of extra uh, outside you know at the moment I'm saying no at the moment I think the common sense is for as, as far as possible to stick to cocooning but I think perhaps the next time we, we should be doing a tally and taking stock with people of how this went down and how they managed it. Was our relative lateness to appreciate the issue with clusters in nursing homes an example of our failure again to take older people properly into consideration? Yeah, I'm afraid. I'm afraid so. I mean, I'm would say in general, we've got to keep reminding ourselves that by and large, as a country, we've done well. But I think it reflects probably that um, most people still haven't come to terms with the fact that although less than five percent of older people are in nursing homes at any one time, most about one third of us will spend time in a nursing home before we die. It should be an environment where where you should have stimulation and freedom. And I think we have really left our system to be very um, disparate in how it is provided for and arranged. And there's much more of a spectrum of quality and support in uh, the nursing home sector prior to the pandemic than there would have been, say, for example, in hospital care or GP care, community care. So um, I have to say that one of our hopes is, and I know the main advocacy organisations have written to HICWA, saying that they hope that uh, there will be a very uh, clear um, uh, record of the interventions that were needed and that hopefully there will be a degree of study around this area here. Um, again, there's a broad range of people in nursing homes. Uh, I often mention one end of the spectrum being Diane Antill, who continued writing into her ni- late 90s in a nursing home. But certainly in urban areas in Ireland, um, people tend to be more disabled. And I think we've got to think through for uh, preparation for the next pandemic or indeed epidemic uh, for flu when it comes this winter. And we need to be getting our our thinking caps on for flu or perhaps a return of COVID is how will we build in reserves in the nursing home? Uh, Have we appropriate incentives um, in terms of pay and conditions and training? Uh, to that staff um, are have that flexibility and resilience. So, yes, no, I, I, we have still neglected this sector here. I think we've turned our heads away from it. People thinking that won't be me, but I'm saying to you, one in three of you, it will of us, it will be. And I want nursing homes to be the place where I feel confident. And uh, Tony Holohan himself averted to this at one of the uh, briefings where he said that there really was a, a spectrum from the very good to those where there were concerns. Have you come across people over 70 who don't feel vulnerable to the virus on age grounds alone and who are resisting cocooning? Yeah, the, the the answer is I've seen it at all ages, I'll be honest. Uh, I've seen it in very small amounts at all ages. I'm not sure that, you know, in terms of, of how people have, have um, behaved. But my, in general, if we were to take, um, you know, there was a standout case report in the Irish Times a few days ago of a cyclist who was rather brazen about it. But I, as I look at the older people in my own area, as I look at the literature on uh, how law-abiding or socially conscious older people are, in general, I'd be reasonably uh, happy that most are, are taking this on board. 
Des, you're a great advocate for achievement in older age. Has cocooning set us back, do you think, in terms of our perceptions of the abilities of older people? Um, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm, I'm not so sure it has. I mean, I think it, it has brought some of these um, issues to light. I think it started to generate uh, discourse. And um, I think it's probably a little bit early to say as to where 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 we see older people. I do think, however, what's been interesting is there has been an anticipatory pushback on on the issue of, for example, age based rationing. Uh, we saw in Italy where things came up in a heap, where quite un- unfortunately, unabashedly, their intensivists defended age based rationing. I do have some concerns. Uh, one of the areas that um, occurred in the last week or two was an anonymous um, ethics framework from the Department of Health and Children. And I, I would have seen two problems in that that hopefully will get teased out. The first is ethics declaration framework shouldn't be anonymous. We should really have a sense of where they're coming from. And the second thing is it did talk about the issue of life years saved, which is code actually for uh, pre- preferential treatment for younger over older. Indeed, the New York task force and ventilators rejected this uh, for adults. So uh, I do think um, we've had the luxury perhaps of coming after Italy of uh, of, of a more open space. And I, I, I'm, I, I have seen the advocacy groups of older people coming together and certainly on social media, media and other areas saying that they would resist any of this type of um, age-based rationing and indeed other groups might have to fear if we talked about life years saved because the poor, those with mental illness, uh, the homeless uh, have less life years than those who are who are the opposite of those things. So potentially that might factor in. That issue of age rationing hasn't quite come to a head here yet, uh, as you say. Are you confident, though, that we will make the right decisions? I, yeah, I'm reasonably confident, yes. I think, um, and indeed, for, for all that I may be critical that the, the ethics framework was anonymous, uh, I think it was important to get something out there. And I agree with I agree with 95% of it in that it sets the framework whereby rather than individual hospitals and uh, units setting uh, standards and criteria. So I do think is, um, I'm, I'm, I do think that people here are reasonably sensitised to uh, this issue of ageism in older people. And I think um, we almost certainly won't run into the same issues that Italy ran into on this. Uh, By and large, the issue is when it comes to rationing, it's around an index of survivability. And that's really around, you know, your illnesses and your physical condition before you uh, got the acute illness. And I think in general, uh, those sort of matters will work themselves out. There's another factor, Des, that must surely be of some concern for cocooners, which is that of time. They're naturally going to view this entire period as robbing them of some of that precious time remaining to them. Uh, what do you say to those people? Yeah, it's interesting. Older people are uh, quite uh, philosophical. And um, again, our danger is sometimes we, we paint older people in sort of a very monochrome, you know, that uh, not realising that very significant numbers of them have their smartphones, their iPads, their uh, telephones, they keep, you know, maybe on, on, on computers. So there, there is, for 
quite a number who were able to use uh, use it uh, in terms of uh, communication with others. Uh, it would be interesting to know whether they that we encouraged perhaps them to uh, consider using this time to write down some memories, some folk history stuff for their families. Um, and I wonder about the role of public broadcasters, perhaps, in um, gearing up a little bit more to uh, to put on a range of stimulating programmes around things that people might do. I, I think also older people may well uh, uh, revert to the same degree of cooking that everybody and baking that everybody is uh, using. So, no, I... I, I We've got to remind ourselves that very many of the older people who are in their 90s now lived through some very difficult times before. Life has been better now than it was in the in the 1940s or the 1930s, the land war, uh, you know, emigration. So, so I think, as I said, older people are wise and I haven't yet got the sense of time lost from people. In recent days, Jez, you have also been diagnosed yourself uh, with coronavirus. How are you? Oh, thanks very much. I, I'm very fortunate in that I seem to have got the very much the milder end of the spectrum. Indeed, I, I was wondering, was I almost being a bit psychosomatic, uh, uh, sort of headache and as if it was like a bad cold, um, muscle aches. Um, you know, there is a, a high dec- a healthcare workers, as we know, are at risk. And I suppose um, uh, I'm mindful that there I have some I'm aware of colleagues who are quite, quite unwell with this. So I suppose I'm relieved to have um, uh, at least come through to the other end of this episode. And um, indeed, I'm glad in a way, timing wise, that it's happened ahead of what may yet be a surge so that I'll be able to be back in uh, back in the force. I'm very impressed at the the my colleagues, their resilience, how they reorganised, um, and how supportive they are. They're, we're all WhatsApping and contacting each other, um, and I think you know it's funny. <laughs> there's a lot of people who are frontline, and I'm very impressed at how our cleaning staff, our domestics, uh, healthcare assistants, there's a whole range of people. I think sometimes there's nearly a whole load of focus on us as the uh, as the doctors, but they're also going in there and they're at risk as well. And they're, they're, there's a fantastic team, a broad range of people, technical services, catering, everybody. So, the, and this extends to, the, to those who are doing the similar jobs, say in care homes, intellectual disability settings. So, uh, I suppose it's a positive message that I'm I'm the other side of 60. So I'm able to say to people, well, look, this can happen. Seriously, it's an illness of some concern. Don't uh, get too relaxed about it. But the majority of people, even over the age of 80, uh, will get a relatively modest uh, experience with this. Indeed. And we wish you a speedy recovery. Um, listen, Des, thank you very much for that. Not at all. My thanks to Declan Conlon, who produced today's podcast, and thanks for listening. Stay up to date with the latest developments at irishtimes.com. We'll be back tomorrow.